let's uh, go ahead and get started. Glad that you are here today as we begin our day with Sunday School Hour. Father, we thank you very much for the opportunity that we have to study the Word of God, to open it up and to see what you have for us. And we thank you that the Holy Spirit teaches us that we don't um, just dream up things, that uh, we have the, the book that you have given us, that it is truth and it is from the Holy Spirit and that it matters. And I just pray that as we spend time in this special book, that we would understand the importance of it today and that we would be thrilled that we are able to study it freely and openly. And Lord, we thank you that that's the case for all of our children and our teenagers. And I just pray that they would be understanding and grasping the big picture, especially today. We just pray as they go through um, the last handful of weeks and, and possibly the next last handful of months that they would just understand and see that Jesus is seen throughout the Old Testament and that you would cause us all as we go through this gospel project to, to see Christ and to see that it's all connected and this is one book that, that all fits together. We thank you for the time that we have before us and we just do ask that you would teach us and that we would understand it and we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, this morning we are going to uh, go backwards a little bit. We're going to be in Joshua three and four, and the reason for that is, <clears throat> um, and it's a, it's a real problem that we have every once in a while, but we started the gospel project late, and uh, we didn't realize that it was dated material the way it is until after the fact, and so many times our, we're having to deal with the holidays, and we did that last quarter, uh, this quarter, excuse me, we had to deal with some holidays, so anyway, so um, we skipped this lesson so that we'd all be the same. Um, all of the classes this week are reviewing, and they are, and we're going back to lesson three. All of the children and the teenagers are reviewing and talking about what they've been doing the entire quarter and actually uh, the last handful of quarters. So, um, so that's the reason why we went backwards, and, and we're doing, it's actually lesson three today, and it's here it is the last week in our quarter. So um, anyway, that's why we're doing what we're doing. So we're going to be looking at, at Joshua chapters 3 and 4 and talking about the God who goes before this morning, the God who goes before. Our theme this morning is that God's presence and power does not negate our responsibility to obey in faith. And we'll talk about that in detail. It makes it possible to respond because of who he is and what he does for us, but it does not negate our responsibility. All right, even though he has great power, we still have to do our part. The connection with Christ is that God told Joshua and the Israelites to set up the memorial stones to remember what God had done to bring them to the promised land. On the night that he was betrayed, Jesus told his disciples to remember the sacrifice he was going to make to save us from our sins. And when we celebrate in the Lord's Supper, we remember God's plan to ultimately destroy sin through Jesus' death and resurrection. We talked about this earlier when we did um, a lesson in Joshua. The importance of remembering, the importance of looking back and saying, look what God has done for us. The importance of making sure that we teach our children that they are looking back and seeing, look what God has done for us so that they understand that it is God who is at work. And we tend to forget, don't we? And so we need to be reminded on a regular basis. And it is one of the reasons why the Lord has given us the Lord's Supper. It is one of the reasons why we, we do that on a regular basis. The Bible clearly says that, that you would remember, that you would proclaim, that you would declare, that you would say, hey, this matters and it's important in my life. So it's good for us to be reminded regularly. Dwayne pointed that out even last week when he preached. Uh, the Bible says, remind them again, tell them again what they need to know. 
And so um, that's why God had Joshua do that, and it's good for you to do that on a regular basis. Well, as we go to Joshua, I want to uh, just kind of walk our way through the first couple of chapters here. Um, Joshua begins with an introduction um, in chapter 1, and we, we, uh, we see that Joshua now is in charge and that Moses is no longer um, going to be around. And so the Lord encourages Joshua, and he does that. Um, with verse 5, no man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life, just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you, I will not fail you, nor forsake you, be strong and courageous, for he shall give this people possession of the land, which I swore to their fathers to give them, only be strong and very courageous, be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or the left so that you may have success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. These words that we read in Joshua chapter 1, there's a few specific things that we'd want to change, but other than that, these are words that you can embrace fully and completely today in your life. Nothing has changed, okay? Uh, the whole thing about giving them the land and all of that, obviously that is unique, but the idea that I have been with the people who have come before you, and I am with you. The idea that I will not fail you nor forsake you, still the same. The idea that we should be strong and courageous because he has said, I will never fail you, nor leave you, nor change, nor abandon you, that's still the same. The idea that we should be strong and courageous, that we should be careful to do all that we have been taught according to the word, that hasn't changed. And that's really the theme of what we want to talk about today when it boils right down to it, is, the, is that God has said, here's the truth for you. Here it is. It's laid out in the, in the Bible. Here's the truth for you. Here's who you are in Christ. Here's what I will accomplish. Here's what will happen when you die. Here's what happens after that. I will fulfill these things. And then he has said, and while you're walking with me on this earth, be careful to do these things. That's exactly what life is. I've promised you, God says, be careful and do these things. Make sure you're doing these things. So, so what we learn from that is a very interesting thing is God is always with us, but our responsibility is to still obey him and to follow him, and when we do, we are putting ourselves in a position whereby God's blessings are poured out upon us, okay? If we forsake him and refuse to obey him, we are putting ourselves in a position whereby we are facing all sorts of things that God really would shield us from if we would just obey him and follow him. He has said, I'm going to be with you. He has said, I'm going to take care of you, but here's the way that you should live your life on this earth. And so it's very important that we, that we understand that. That's exactly what he did in the Old Testament, and that's what he does in the New Testament. So in verses 10, 11, and 12, then it says this, Then Joshua commanded the uh, officers of the people, saying, Pass through the midst of the camp, and command the people, saying, Prepare provisions for yourself, for within three days you are to cross this Jordan, to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God has given you to possess it. And so he says, This is going to happen. We're going to go in and possess this land. We're going to take what God has said is ours. Now get ready for this. And remember, over and over again in this passage, remember the word of the Lord. Remember what God said. Remember who God is. Remember 
what has gone on in your life previous to this as you begin this incredibly difficult journey. Well, isn't that a good thing for us today? As you have been asked by God to do something, as you feel like you should do something in your life, as you understand that you should, you've been convicted that you should do X, whatever that may be, and that God has laid that out in Scripture for you, and you know you should do that thing, and you've been convicted, and you're going to do that thing, it is good for you as you begin that thing to remember that God has been with you, to remember what God has taught you, to remember what God has said, because as you go into that brand new thing, as you're convicted of that, and you start down that path, oftentimes we go down that path for just a little while, and what happens? We run into difficulties. What else happens? Sometimes, okay, what else happens? We're on the right road, we're where we belong, we run into some difficulties, what else happens? We drift, absolutely. We, we, we don't keep going the way we're supposed to go. And, and a lot of times then, our mind starts playing games with us too, doesn't it? It is at those times when we need to remember, be steadfast, Cling to what the Lord has taught you. Cling to what he has said. Because as you go down that path, boy, oh boy, oh boy, it can be a tough one sometimes, can't it? Chapter 2 of Joshua then is the spies go into the land. And uh, they, they come in and they encounter um, someone named Rahab. And Rahab protects them and takes care of them. And they're, you know, and so she, she has promised that you will be taken care of. When we come in, you will be taken care of, and, and, and God will protect you and provide for you because you did this good thing for the spies. And, of course, we talked about that earlier in the quarter, and we looked at, at some of those things with Rahab. So then we come to chapter 3, and it says this, beginning in verse 1. Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and he and all the sons of Israel set out from Shittim and came to Jordan, and they lodged there before they crossed. And at the end of three days, the officers went through the midst of the camp, and they commanded the people, saying, When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God with the Levitical priest carrying it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. However, there shall be between you and it a distance of about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it, that you may know the way by which you go, for you have not passed this way before. Then Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourself, for tomorrow morning the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua spoke to the priests, saying, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and cross over ahead of the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant, and they went ahead of the people. Now the Lord said to Joshua this day, I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all of Israel, that they may know that just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. You shall moreover command the priests who are carrying the Ark of the Covenant, saying, When you come to the edge of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. Then Joshua said to the sons of Israel, Come here and hear the words of the Lord your God. Joshua said, By this you shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will surely dispossess from before you the Canaanite, and the Hittite, and the Hivite, and the Pezrite, and the Gershahite, and the Amorite, and the Jebusite. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all of the earth is crossing over ahead of you into the Jordan. Now then, take for yourselves twelve men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. It shall come about when the soles of the feet of the priests who carry the ark of the Lord uh, the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, rest in the waters of the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan will be cut off, and the waters which are flowing down from above will stand in one heap. 
So Joshua is given the picture, the big picture of about uh, of what is about to happen here. All right. So as we go backwards here and, and we start doing this, we see that they are commanded to do some things here. And we read in, in verse 5, Joshua said to the people, consecrate yourself. What does that mean, and why was it important that they do that? What's the idea of consecrate? What do you think? Dedicate's good. Very good. And to what? Let's make sure we, what are we dedicated to? To God, or consecrating to God. So that's, that's our, our main object constantly, Ruth is, right? What else? Consecrate. What else? What's the idea? Cleanse. Good. We want to do something. We want to we want to make sure that we are where we need to be. That's exactly right. We want to turn our hearts, if you will. We want to make sure that our attention is where it needs to be. Why was it important that they consecrate themselves? Why was it important that they turn their hearts to God in faith and trust that they cleanse themselves, that they were that they were where they needed to be with God? Why was that important for them at this point? Yeah. They needed to be in the right place. Why? You bet. God was going to do something. And when God is going to do something, if we're not in the right place with the Lord, what happens with us? What goes on? We wander off. We miss it. Or we take credit for it. That's a good one. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Okay? We need to make sure that when God is at work, we're paying attention to God. And God said, I'm going to do this great thing. You need to be where you need to be because this, this, is, this physical activity is really very spiritual in nature. And the reason this physical activity was spiritual in nature is because who was doing it? God was. Okay? Okay, now you probably know where I'm going with this. So in our lives today, we need to consecrate ourselves toward the Lord when the Lord is going to be working in our lives. Is that correct? Is that fair enough to say? Yes? What do you guys think? Come on. Is that fair enough? Okay, so when is the Lord doing that in our lives? Oh, always. <laughs> so it behooves me to make sure that on a regular basis I am what? Consecrated. Always. It would be an important thing for me to understand that although I am living a physical life, it is spiritual in nature. And I need to be thinking in spiritual terms on a regular basis. Okay? Consecrate yourself today. For the Lord's going to do something really neat in your life. Tomorrow morning when you wake up, one of the first thoughts that needs to go on while you're getting out of bed or when you're showering or you're fixing your breakfast or you're preparing for your day, whatever it is, you need to think, you know what? Today is a day and God's going to do something really neat in my life. I need to consecrate myself. I need to be prepared for it. I need to be ready for it. I wonder what God's going to do today. Well, I hope I'm in a place to listen to what he has to say. I hope I'm where I need to be, and you know you can be where you need to be because it is a matter of consecrating. And when, when we think about in terms of consecrating ourselves to the Lord today, that's a fascinating word. What does it mean in practical terms? So tomorrow morning, I want to, um, while I am preparing, we'll say in the shower, while I'm showering, I need to concentrate. What do I need to do? I'm going to wash the outside of my body, and I need to, I need to wash the inside of my body. That's not very nice at all. <laughs> that's, ex that's well put. That's exactly what I need to wash the inside of my body. So what does that mean in practical terms, though? How do I consecrate in practical terms? Wash the inside of my body. What do, I, what do you mean? I need to pray about what? How our day is going to go. What else? I need to confess my sins. 
I need to put myself in a position to listen to him and to hear him and follow him and be close to him and see him at work, right? I need to deal with me a little bit, okay? That's what I need to do, and that's how I consecrate on a regular basis. And, and just a sec, and one of the interesting things about this consecration in my life is that, is that I, I need to maybe consecrate myself how often throughout the day? Maybe constantly. More than once probably, though, huh? Okay, it does need to be a continuing thing because I believe that God is working in my life and this is a spiritual deal and I want to be able to see what God is doing. I want to be able to hear what God is doing. Yes? That's right. Yeah. That's a good reminder. That's a really good point. And I hope you guys could hear that. She was speaking pretty loudly. I think you probably all heard that about the idea that there are false religions that have this call to consecration regularly throughout the day. Whereas we as believers somehow have bought into do my quiet time and I'm set. And that's something we need to think about. And Adeline used the phrase over and over again. It puts us to shame. Because that's, that, we really need to think about that. Okay, just because you do it at the beginning doesn't mean that you're done. In fact, just think about the shower for the, have you ever had to take more than one shower a day? Well, yeah, every once in a while you have because things, well, you need to consecrate yourself then, okay? If we need to wash the inside. Yes? That's exactly right. That was well said. That's exactly right. That they were, they were setting themselves apart because they were about to go into some cultures that they needed to avoid. And that's exactly right. And it's a real important thing when we think about this consecration thing it, it, and the set apart. It's not just setting apart from, but it's setting apart to. It's a real important thing. And one of the mistakes that we make as Christians many times is we, we set apart from, but we don't set apart to. Okay. You need to be make, making sure that you're running to the Lord. You're being filled with the Lord. You're yielding to the Lord because we need, to be, we need to run to him, set apart to him. And it is something that needs to be done on a regular basis. Okay? The Lord had said to Joshua and the group, I am with you. I will be with you. You can count on that. I want you to notice something else that goes on here. And some of you may have, set, may have noticed it and picked up on this. But what is it that the Lord required in order for the Jordan and the waters to stop. What is it that he required? They had to get their feet wet. That's exactly right. They had to actually walk forward. They had to go into it. 
Notice what it says in verse 13. It shall come about when the soles of the feet of the priests who carry the ark of the Lord of the, of the earth rest in the waters of the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan will be cut off. Isn't that an interesting thing? The Lord said, I am going to part this river for you. I am going to cut the waters off. They had seen this before. This wasn't new for them, obviously, right? Okay. I am going to do this so that you can cross over and you can go into the promised land. But here's what needs to happen. The guys that are the leading, the ones that are carrying the ark, the representation of the Lord in front of them, as they go into it, nothing's going to happen until they get into the water. Hmm. How about that? What might that indicate for us in our lives just a little bit? Well, we got to step. We got to move forward. Okay? We got to move forward. That's a principle of life that we need to understand. It was. In this case, it was a specific act of obedience. That's exactly right. And the Lord many times has laid it out for us and said, do this. And many times our response to the Lord is what? I don't want to. Or? 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 I, yeah, we just don't move. Or, Lord, if you'll do your part, I would be glad to begin. And the Lord says, you're not understanding things here. Okay? You begin. This is what you're supposed to do. Don's exactly right in the fact that they were commanded to do this. And the Lord said, when you follow this command, I will do this. Okay? Uh, we've said this in many ways. And it, this, is, this, is, this is one of the things that's important about life, real important about life. We've talked about this in this class. I talked about this in um, uh, one of our Bible studies, I think, earlier this summer. We need to make sure that we understand that when the Lord has given us his revealed will, he expects us to live as he has laid out for us. If you are ignoring the commands of God, don't expect a lot of other things to come from God when it comes to revealing other things to you. He is saying to you what? Do what I've told you to do. We'll go on after that. Do what I've told you to do. Way too many of us are ignoring what we know we ought to be doing, and then we're still expecting God to do all these other things. And God says, wait a sec, hold on. Do what I told you to do, okay? I've told you what you should do next. Do that. Lord, if you would take care of all those people over there, we would, we would walk into the river. If you would stop the flow, we'd walk into the river. Do what I've told you to do, okay? Life is indeed a matter of walking by faith. Yes? Agreed. And the key to that is that we need to be doing what God tells us to do, whether it's go forward or wait. They hadn't seen it. They'd heard about it.
Agreed. Agreed that that was exactly what God was doing. The other thing that God does with us a lot of times is that God really wants us to humble ourselves. And the New Testament talks a lot about that. And part of humbling is obeying. Yes, Lord, I trust you. Yes, Lord, I will do what you tell me to do. Yes, Lord, I will follow you. Yes, I will do that. Is it a hard thing? Yeah. Can I see what is next? Not necessarily. But I know that God would have me to do this, so I will do this. And that is an aspect of humbling so that then God will exalt as he has promised in the New Testament. Randall? No thunder stolen. Let's turn there, though. <laughs> Romans chapter 12. Because he's, Randall's exactly right that this is, this, is what, this is what we've been talking about. Romans chapter 12. And this is a fascinating, fascinating verse. We, we know this verse. We we quote this verse, we look at this verse. This is a pretty important and full of some big stuff. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. Okay, when he says, I, I urge you by the mercies of God, what is it that he is saying in effect? Why is it that I want you to live the way you're, you're living? Because why? Yeah, exactly, because of Romans 1 through 11 or because of what God has done in your life exactly right because of what has happened with you from the time you got saved until this very moment I urge you by all that God has done in your life by all that God is all that God has made of you I urge you to do something because of that and Diane's exactly right it's found in Romans 1 through 11 in all those previous chapters okay because of who God is because of what God has done I want you to do something. I want you to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. The idea of presenting your bodies is what kind of an idea? That this is what? It's physical. Exactly right. It's doing. It's not thinking. It's not hoping. It's doing. Okay? It's actively doing. And, and what you need to do is you need to make your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. In other words, you need to be consecrated, right? separated, which is your spiritual service of worship, or it's the new international version and maybe even the new living translation that puts this in the phrase of this is your reasonable act of spiritual worship. In other words, what the Bible is saying is this is not really asking you to do anything that's all that big of a deal. This is just asking you to do what you should do based upon what God has done for you. Okay? This is just a reasonable approach to life. Oh, I, I, I've, been, I've been saved, yeah. Oh, I've been given the Holy Spirit, yeah. Oh, I've been given the presence of God who will never leave me or forsake me, yeah. Oh, I've been blessed with spiritual blessings that are too numerable to count and to talk about, yep. I have been given a, a body and a fellowship and, and people to help me and support me and, and build me up with the one another's, yep. I've been given people that would challenge me in my life. Yep. I've been given the, the Holy Spirit who convicts me and teaches me and directs me and causes me to understand truth on a regular basis. Yep. I've been given that constant, constant hope of what life really is all about, both for today and tomorrow. 
Well, what should I do with all that? Well, what you should do with all that is dedicate and consecrate yourself to the Lord because that's just a reasonable thing that you would do after understanding all that you've been given. That's what this verse is saying. That's right. What do we do? That's exactly right. That's right. And here's the thing. Mickey said, and Mickey said, you know, he was dealing with people who were dealing with the sacrificial system that were used to sacrificing things. What do we sacrifice? And the answer was you sacrifice yourself. That's exactly right, especially with men, but a little bit with all of us, but men a little bit more than women in this one, okay? Give me something to do and I'll do it. Let me accomplish something. Okay? It's a whole lot better if you were just simply told that every morning you should get up and walk around your house three times. That's a whole lot easier than consecrating yourself, isn't it? A whole lot easier. Just let me get something. Let me do it. Get it out of the way and say, I've done that. Now, God, do your part. Now you owe me. That's the mentality. And that's why God stays away from all of that and he says, do all these other things. Okay? It's a spiritual relationship. You need to do that. Well, let's look at the next verse because it's incredibly important. And it says, and do not, as you were thinking about all this, do not be conformed to this world. In other words, be consecrated and be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that obviously is an intellectual pursuit and a relationship with God so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. A person who recognizes who they are a person who is presenting their bodies as a living and holy sacrifice, a person who is consecrating themselves to the Lord, a person who understands that this is my reasonable approach to God, a person who is striving not to be conformed to the world, but rather being transformed by the renewing of their mind, by the word of God, becoming a part of me, and I listen to that, and I observe that, and I follow that, and I embrace that, that person is going to live in such a way that other people can look at them and say, that's what a follower of Jesus Christ looks like that's what a person who walks in the will of God looks like. That's what that verse means. Okay? That when you live appropriately, when you live obediently, you, by your choices and your lifestyle, you are showing what the will of God is on a regular basis. In other words, when the person drives like the worst idiot you've ever seen in your life and does something terrible and horrible and you are kind and do not gripe and throw a hissy fit and yell or scream or indicate other vile and crude things toward them, you are indicating that you understand how a Christian should live when they are treated poorly in that circumstance. You are showing what the will of God is, and you are showing that the will of God is good and acceptable and perfect, and you're living that out. That's what that verse means. Okay? We have an opportunity to do that regularly, don't we? Or we have an opportunity to show what the will of humanity is like and do it on a bad, on a, in a different way, okay? All right? Yes, ma'am. Yep. 
meditate upon it. As Joshua was told in Joshua chapter 1, let this word, book of the law, not depart from you, but meditate on it day and night. I agree. Take a verse and meditate. Exactly right. I agree. That's, a part. That's part of consecration, isn't it? Isn't a really good way to consecrate yourself is to take a verse and meditate on that thing constantly and let that be what is on your mind regularly throughout the day? You're committing yourself to the Lord over and over again. Absolutely. Memorization and, and, and meditation on the Word of God, and those are really two of the same thing. It boils right down to it. That's what we should do. I agree. To let the words and to ponder it and ask the Lord, what do you mean by urge? What do you mean by mercy? What do you mean by present? And talk to the Lord about that. You betcha. That's exactly what we should do in life. Okay? Let's go to the next. Go back to Joshua chapter 3. Let's continue along a little bit. And we want to talk a, lot, a little bit about this obedience in faith, this walking. We've already touched on it, but verse 14, um, it says this. So when the people set out from their tents to cross the Jordan with the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant before the people, and when those who carried the Ark came to the Jordan, and the feet of the priests carrying the Ark were dipped in the edge of the water, for the Jordan overflows all of its banks all the days of the harvest. So not only was it simply a river, but it was a flood river at this point that the Lord was doing. The Lord, waters which were flowing down from above stood and rose up in one heap a great distance away. And it talks about where it flowed from the beginning to the end. And it says, so the people crossed opposite of Jericho. And the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan while all of Israel crossed on dry land until all the nation had finished crossing the Jordan. We talked about this earlier. Don's the one that gave us the good phrase we ha that there was a clear, obvious command given. Here's what you should do now. Okay? This is the idea of walking by faith, is it not? If, if they would have been walking by sight, what would have happened to those that were headed into the river and the rest that were following? They would have stopped. They would have what? Yeah, just like Peter. Exactly right. It wouldn't have worked. If they were walking by sight, they would have stopped. Does it make any sense at all that a river is going to stop flowing? Well, no, it really doesn't. I mean, to our little minds, right? But what we learn in this and, and throughout the scriptures over and over again is that God is all-powerful, and God can do anything, right? Okay, and that's actually the essential doctrine for this particular lesson is God is all-powerful. So, we understand that God can do these things. So, there's a matter of, with these guys, walking by faith, not by sight, right? Can we see that clearly? Okay, now give me a couple of examples of us needing to walk by faith and not by sight, and how does it play out in our lives? Because I'm not, I'm not, I'm not told to touch water with my toe so that the Lord will part it. That's not happening in my life. It hasn't yet. I'm not looking for it tomorrow. Chances are that won't happen. But there are some other things. What is it that the Lord is telling us in practical terms, and how do we live it out in our day-to-day -day lives when it comes to walking by faith and not by sight? Give me some examples. Okay, wives to respect their husbands, because and you need to run with this a little bit longer, though. Very good. There you go. So, that's a great one. So in spite of what you may see your husband do, the Bible tells you to, therefore, you need to choose to, okay? That's a great one. Walk by faith, not by sight. That's exactly right. There you go. And actually, uh, the example that Kathy just gave us, and, and there's a whole slew of them in that neighborhood, 
for both of us, husbands and wives, would change our homes, by the way. Okay? Because if I walk by sight, what do I want to do to my spouse? Well, not me, of course, because, you know, I'm such a great... What do I want to do with my spouse if I walk by sight? I want to treat them the way they treat me, exactly right. Or be more specific. I want to... I want to get even, or I want to be mean, or I want to... I want to, well, if I want to fix them. I want to, yeah, sometimes. I want to do a lot of things. By sight, I want to do things. Or I want to tit for tat or whatever, right? But walking by faith says that what should I do for my spouse? The husband the wife one is respect. What should, what should I do for my spouse? Pardon? Lift her up. Love. What kind of love? Agape, unconditional love. What else should I do with my spouse on a regular basis? Walk by faith. What should I do with my spouse on a regular basis? Pray for them. What else? Yeah, there you go. I was waiting. I knew eventually we'd stumble upon it. I need to forgive on a regular basis. I need to walk by faith, not by sight. Okay? So I'm not called to walk into the river tomorrow. But I am called to treat that woman that is called my wife properly today and tomorrow. And the Bible has laid out very clearly how I should treat her or how I should treat him or how I should respond to my employer or how I should deal with my neighbor or how I should deal with that really rotten mean driver or how I should deal with you fill in the blank. For us, that is walking by faith, not by sight on a daily basis. I have so many opportunities and you have so many opportunities every day to decide, am I going to step into that water or not? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? And if I am not consecrating myself to the Lord, then when she's mean to me, my natural inclination will be what? I'm going to be mean back. That's exactly right. I'd better be consecrating myself to the Lord so that I am prepared to walk by faith on a regular basis. Okay? This is where life really matters for us right here. This is it. And the examples that we've given, it doesn't get any more complicated than that. Right there. There it is. For the vast majority of us in here, marriage is the best example we can use. For some of us in here who don't have a spouse, maybe it's his parents, or maybe it's his, the employer or the employee. Maybe it's his neighbor. Maybe it's whatever. But you can put in that, that, that example without any problem at all, and you have it, and you know exactly what it is, that I need to be walking by faith. And I get, and, and the thing that we've done way too often with this walking by faith thing is we've spiritualized it a little bit. When the Israelites were walking by faith, it was a very physical activity. When you are walking by faith, it's a very real physical activity. Okay? Now, part of that walking by faith is that I need to trust and believe in God, right? That's spiritual. Okay, I get that. But we're going beyond that right now, aren't we? We've accepted that. I am where I need to be. I'm working on the consecrating thing. Now I need to go in and I need to apply that a little bit. And I say, I've done this groundwork and now... I need to go in and I need to walk by faith in a physical way using these spiritual principles that I might honor God and that I might be who I need to be for the Lord Jesus Christ and glorify him. Okay? It's really that simple.
or it's really that complicated, however you want to look at it. That's what we need to do. Are you willing to walk by faith? Or are you going to walk by sight and just live the way you want to live? Okay. The Bible talks about taking every thought captive. The Bible talks about choosing this day who you're going to serve. The Bible talks about putting on and putting off. The Bible talks about making these choices for the Lord over and over and over and over and over again by resting in his power and doing that thing and saying, thanks, Lord, for equipping me so that I could choose properly and walk by faith in that instant. Okay. Now, here's what I want to say real quick, and this is important. Just because you walk by faith and do the right thing, the thing that you expect to happen next may not always take place. Okay? Why is that? Because we live in a sinful world. Because we live in a sinful world. And, and here's the danger. So, so here's the danger. And Kathy did it, so we'll use her for a sec. So Kathy is going to go home and respect her husband. And she's going to do that. And, and deep in her mind, she's thinking, this will be a good day. Because as I respond properly to him and respect him, he's going to do X, Y, Z. And when he fails to do X, Y, Z, the first thought out of her brain is going to be what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That didn't work. I'll try something else. Exactly right. And as soon as she says that, what has she started to do? Walk by sight. Exactly right. We need to understand that we live in a sinful world. And because we live in a sinful world, there are things that go on in this world that are not very pleasant sometimes. Okay? And so what I need to do is understand this. The next step of walking by faith is that walking by faith helps me understand that the person's response does not change my appropriate behavior. If we could learn that lesson, we'd have it made, wouldn't we? <laughs> okay? Because we all tend to respond to however they're going to respond or whatever they do. That's what we do. So what we do, it's how, it's how marriages become so disastrous and over time is that it's, it's the tit for tat, back and forth forever. And pretty soon it's just a lifestyle for us and it's a way of living and, and we have this disastrous thing going on in our homes. Okay? You need to understand that doing the right thing is worth doing the right thing because of why God asks us to do it because we live for him, not for that person that you're dealing with right now. Okay? It's a pretty important lesson, isn't it? Walk by faith. Walk by faith. Well, in, in, in Joshua, what happens next then is, is they're called to remember what happened, and so they set up these stones. And we looked at, at a stone of remembrance um, in our quarter earlier this uh, a couple months ago here. But they're called to do that. And it says, when all the nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord spoke to Joshua saying, take for yourself 12 men from the people, one man from each tribe, then command them saying, take up for yourselves 12 stones from here out of the middle of the Jordan from the place where the priest's feet are standing firm. Carry them over with you and lay them down in the lodging place where you lodge tonight. So Joshua called the 12 men who he appointed from the sons of Israel, one man from each tribe. He told them, cross over again to the ark. Um, of the Lord your God to the middle of Jordan. Each of you take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of tribes, sons of Israel. Let this sign be among you 
So that when your children ask later, saying, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall say to them, because the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall become a memorial to the sons of Israel forever. So I was doing this lesson, and I thought, wouldn't it have been cool to, when we began our life as a couple, and as we began to have children, that what we did, when, when we saw the Lord do something really cool, that what we did was we, uh, and, I, and I didn't think this very deeply, and so you have to forgive me as I run with this on the fly, wouldn't it be cool if we cut out a rock and we taped it to the wall and we wrote a date on it? And then our children would say, why do you have that up there? Because that was the day that God did this. And you could walk through all of those rocks on the wall with the dates and you could remember, look what God has done. Because let's be honest, do you remember what God did 33 years ago for you? Maybe? Maybe, maybe not, right? Okay? But you know, he did something probably. And, and wouldn't it have been something if, our, if we would have made markers in our life that we would remember and we'd look at and say, look what God did, look what God did, look what God did, look what God did. Because when I look back and I look around and I see all those rocks on the wall and I remember what God did, what's that going to do for me today? It, it's going to help me remember. What's it going to do for me, though, in practical terms? It's going to strengthen me. It's going to what? It's going to help me walk by faith. Because I believe that if God did it then, God will do it now. Well, anyway, my wife and I have been married a really long time, and we didn't do that. <laughs> so we don't have rocks all over our home. But wouldn't that have been a good idea to do something like that? So there you go. So, so there you go. So from now on, anybody who gets married, Kenzie's getting married next month. Well, let's give, give them all a rock. <laughs> we can give Kenzie and Byron a rock. A blank spot for the date so that you can remember what God does for you all of your life. We need to give them an explanation, but that's kind of a cute idea, isn't it? <laughs> a rock shower. So, because we don't do rocks, it is important that you do talk about these things a little bit. And it is important, and we said this when we talked about this a long time ago, a handful of weeks ago, it is important to make sure that you tell your children and your grandchildren, they need to know that God is doing this. They need to know that God is working. Okay, they need to know. Um, and, and, and they need to know that, that God did this. And, and, and they need to know. I'll bet you, I'll bet you that there are, there are things in our life that we can remember where maybe we had a child um, come to us and, and, and with an issue. And we said, well, let's pray about that. And we prayed about that with that child. And God, and God took care of that thing. But as we live our lives, we kind of move on and forget about that. It would really be good if we could remind our children, remember that time when you were really struggling with X and, and we sat down and we prayed to the Lord and then that was gone? See, that's what God does. And as you face this difficult situation that you're facing tomorrow or today, you know, God does those kinds of things for you. It's good for us to remember, isn't it, that God does work. And it helps us believe and cherish him and trust him today in our lives. Yes, right, tragedies, yeah. Look what God did. Look how God redeemed. Exactly right. That's exactly right. And God's really good at that, isn't he? And so those of you who do, you know, journaling or diaries or stuff like that, you have some of that. Review that. 
And for those of us who are lazy and never did that, we just, we don't have anything. And sometimes that's a bad thing, you know, that we can't remember. And, and that, that causes our faith to be a little shaken today because we're not remembering well what God used, what God has done. So anyway, I think these are some good lessons and some good thoughts. And, and, and as my wife says, when we come up with good ideas once in a while, it's never too, too late. It's never too late to start. It's never too late. Rock on. Exactly right. Father, thanks for our time together this morning. Thank you very much for your grace and your love in our lives. And we thank you that as we look back, we can remember an awful lot of things that you've done for us because you have done so much. And yet we recognize that as we live the life that we live, the busyness of life, we just sort of move on. Father, I pray that we would re we'd mark those things, we'd remember those things, that this is what you've done. And Father, I pray that you would cause us to really walk by faith in our homes and at work and at school, on the highways and the byways, in our neighborhoods. That we would, we would trust you enough, believe in you enough to do that that you have told us to do to refuse to do that which you have told us to avoid. That our lives would be marked by consecrating ourselves to you and walking by faith. Not so that good things happen, but for the glory of Jesus Christ. Do that work in our lives, we pray in Jesus' name.